Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hello, you're listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast, a podcast about breaking into the world of finance, along with interviews with those who have. I'm Alex Grodnick, and on today's show, Greg Hirschman, a hedge fund investor and guy who has his life pretty figured out. Before we jump into it, let me take a quick second to tell you about the Wall Street Oasis IB Guide. It's crowdsourced from the site's 430,000 members. It's continuously being updated. There's really nothing else like it out there. It's got a money-back guarantee, so check it out. At the top of Wall Street Oasis, click IB Interview Course, and when you buy it, make sure you select Podcast is where you heard about it. Greg, you and I know each other through our friend Rohit, who has also been on the podcast. But we met, and you seemed very interesting, and lucky for us, you agreed to be on the pod. Very excited to be part of it. Great. You graduated from Stanford in 2011, and then you met Rohit in London at London School of Economics. So, Greg, it would be helpful if you would walk us through your background a little bit. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so I, I grew up in San Diego and uh, went to Stanford, as you mentioned, uh, and uh, majored in math and economics. And uh, also kind of important to kind of getting to where I am. I also was uh, a member of the varsity tennis team at Stanford, and uh, I've always been a uh, competitive nut. And so uh, always thought I'd end up in a place that would be uh, highly competitive and uh, and a place where I can kind of unleash that part of me. And so, yeah, when I went to the London School of Economics after graduating from Stanford, uh, that's when I met uh, Rohit Carr, uh, who who you had mentioned, and uh, I was taking a finance and private equity masters at the London School of Economics. And in that program, uh, it really solidified my interest in finance. I had actually, before I'd uh, even started at the London School of Economics, gotten an offer to be a business analyst at the consulting firm McKinsey and uh, can't complain about being there to start my career. I'd actually think for anyone, it's just about the best place you could start your career unless it's something that's highly, highly specialized because you get such a broad background, a broad exposure. But that London School of Economics uh, really helped me understand, you know, given my math quantitative background, that, uh, that that finance was something that excited me. And then, you know, investing in particular uh, kind of applies that finance and also uh, is, you know, a crazy competitive 
world, and uh, and I love that from from my uh, days playing tennis. And so, you know, when I was there, I spent a lot of my time figuring out um, where I wanted to go in the finance world and kind of start my journey to figure out who am I and what do I want in my career. And so I, uh, as I started at McKinsey, I kind of explored around further and kind of learned two very important principles uh, for for um, for progressing in the uh, world of investing. Number one is that it's a lot easier to move from a large uh, a firm that invests in large companies to small companies and vice versa. And number two, it's a lot easier to move from doing private investing to public investing and vice versa. And, uh, you know, that, that came through the conversations that I had with uh, Stanford uh, alumni as well as with, uh, with, with the folks when I was at the London School of Economics. And so I, I focused my attention uh, to break into the uh, finance world on getting into private equity because, again, easier to go from private to public. And I also wanted to focus on being at a large cap fund because, again, wanted to keep my op- options open. Uh, going from large cap to small cap was going to be really, uh, really important to me. And so it worked out. I got an opportunity to uh, be a private equity associate at uh, Bank Capital. So that kind of checked both the large cap and private boxes very nicely. And, uh, and from there, uh, I still knew that I wasn't quite yet uh, where I wanted uh, to go. So I spent even more time uh, talking with folks and uh, and finally realized that uh, public investing was, was really what I wanted to do, just about the most competitive environment that one has, a lot less process also that, that, that I didn't like so much about the private equity side, but glad I still experienced private equity. And then family office was really important to me because I really want to have long-term capital because that's the real downside of public markets investing is you don't have the same type of lockup you generally have on the uh, on the private side. And so uh, when the opportunity arose to be to uh, get my current role at Meritage Group back in 2015, I uh, you know did everything I could to to get the job. And fortunately, it all worked out. And you know it's uh, it's a pleasure to wake up every morning and and realize that uh, I'm just about in the best possible place I could be at this point in my life career-wise. So, wow. uh, yeah, very happy about how things have gone to date. Yeah, that has to be a great feeling. So tell me, I'm a little bit unclear. You went to, you had an offer from McKinsey after Stanford, but you said, no, I want to postpone that and I want to go to London School of Economics for a year? What ended up happening is I, I was in a little bit of a weird case where because I wanted to live uh, in San Francisco. I applied over the summer for for the following year, but I knew that I wanted to get the job before I moved to London. So I didn't exactly delay uh, my uh, start at McKinsey in the sense I was always going to start in the summer of 2012, even though I interviewed in the summer of 2011. I just interviewed in the summer instead of in the fall because logistically it's a lot easier. It was going to be a lot easier for me to just be with the folks in San Francisco since I was in, already in California anyway versus fly uh, you know thousands of miles back to San Francisco to do all the interviews. So, yeah, very happy it worked out that way, though, because uh, when I started my program, I didn't have to think about next steps in my career uh, per se. Since I had a job, I could think, uh, you know, next steps in the sense of multiple years down the road 
which ended up serving me very well. Right, right. Well, so you, it seems like you knew kind of early on that you wanted to do private equity. And as you said, McKinsey is a fantastic place to start your career, kind of no matter what you want to do. But in the path to private equity, it's pretty traditional to go from investment banking to private equity. I'm sure people go from McKinsey and Bain to private equity funds, but how'd you choose consulting over investment banking? Yeah, that's a that's a great point that you make, Alex, because it is true that the traditional route, and I would imagine the uh, vast majority of people that uh, are in private equity right now uh, did investment banking. Some now actually can get straight in, but uh, certainly if they were going to do a job before breaking into private equity, they would do banking. But, uh, you know, I, the, the thing that really struck me is I had, as I said, on the tennis team at Stanford and a couple of my teammates went the investment banking route. And I could just see that that was just a very brutal couple of years. And, and frankly, I think you, you'll meet very few people who won't say that their uh, couple of years of uh, investment banking to break into private equity weren't uh, wasn't brutal. So I've always been a believer that there has to be a third way, a better way to uh, get from point A to point B. And, uh, you know, I talked to some folks who uh, had broken into private equity from consulting. It's a little bit more difficult to do, but I guess I was fortunate to have that London School of Economics a degree because it showed that I had an interest in finance. And the other thing was just networking like crazy because obviously it's a little bit harder to break in. But uh, the advantage was, uh, you know, consulting is is not just a much better hours, uh, which it certainly is, but in my view, a much more fulfilling way to spend a couple of years, both because I think the work is much more interesting and intellectual, but also you also you have the, the the breadth of experience that you get, which I certainly got at McKinsey. So, uh, if you're looking for the most efficient way to get into private equity, I would say do investment banking. But uh, if you think that you are able to uh, network very aggressively and are good at figuring out how to win, even in a tough environment, uh, you'll certainly have a lot better time uh, doing consulting than investment banking, at least in my view. And, uh, and and so that's that's what I recommend. But again, you have to be very strategic about that decision because you are putting yourself a little bit in a tougher position by doing consulting versus investment banking. Right. And you've had a very clear, it seems like you've had a very clear strategy with what you wanted to get out of each of your jobs, but they haven't been the traditional path. So talk to us, give advice to people who maybe don't have Stanford, don't have McKinsey. They're trying to get investment banking. They're trying to get private equity. You got them while having fantastic names on your resume, but you still had to go get them. You had to cold email people, ask them for coffees, ask them for, uh, you know, meetings with you. So how do you, how do you do that? A couple of things on that. Number one is, you know, even if you go to the quote pedigreed places, it's still, uh, not, easy to, to, to break into the space, which is why I was aggressive with reaching out to folks and, and cultivating relationships with, with people in the space and really learning how the system works. So, uh, you know, no matter what your background is, there's, there's no shoe in. I'd imagine, you know, given that it's a uh, highly, uh, highly paid and, and, and a really kind of exciting type of job to have in, in private equity or in hedge funds, 
there's got to be, you know, at least a hundred extremely capable people with very good pedigrees uh, for every one uh, job opportunity there is, you know, in the space broadly. And then, you know, if you narrow that down to the largest uh, and or most prestigious funds, you know, that 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 ratio gets even smaller. So uh, can't take anything for granted, no matter your background. If you're, you know, the way I think of it, and, and it's tough uh, in, in a way, but there really is like a funnel uh, to, to break into the private equity and hedge fund space in the sense that, uh, you know, if you're, quote, in the funnel um, and you've gone to, say, one of the brand name universities and then gone to one of the brand name investment banking consulting firms, it, it doesn't guarantee you anything, but it certainly is a lot easier to, to get from point A to point B to point C. If you're outside the funnel, uh, it gets really challenging because, as I said, just from within the funnel, you probably have 100 people who want one of these jobs for every one that's available. And so then then when you expand out beyond that, um, I think you, you really have to come in with uh, realistic expectations. Certainly, you know, if you don't come from a brand name, top brand name university, but you break into one of the top investment banker consulting firms, then actually where you went to school doesn't matter at all because you're you're in one of those um, you know brand name best bank consulting firms and people generally care about what you've done most recently most uh, if you then you know if you don't go to a brand name university and then you don't go to one of those brand name consulting firms it's it's an uphill battle I mean gosh I don't know very many people in this space you know at my age you know there's some people who are older when they uh, private equity and hedge fund landscape is less mature who didn't go kind of that funneled route that I mentioned. Uh, but it's it's hard. So you have to be really realistic about your expectations. And if uh, if I networked hard and, and really cultivated relationships well, then uh, the only way to break in is to be even more thorough than, than I was, which is saying a lot, not saying that it's impossible to do. But uh, it's all going to come from relationships because when people are doing resume screenings and so on, they're just going to be looking for a particular you know, funneled approach that people have taken and they'll just not even really consider the other resumes. But if you're someone who becomes a personal friend and, and you can convince someone that you're just as smart and capable, and I'm sure there are tons of people who are just as capable, if not more capable than anyone at, uh, at any of these, you know, brand name um, universities slash consulting investment banking firms, then you'll get the opportunity. But it really comes down to personal right relationships and, and cultivating that network if you're outside of the funnel. Right. That makes sense. And you talked about being uber competitive. And yes, at the top of Wall Street, at the top of these consulting firms, you get to, I mean, you're, you're playing in the highest stakes games of poker that exist. And it's very, very cool. I found for myself when I was an analyst in banking that you get to be on some calls and there's some interesting things going around you, but you're so in the weeds of building financial models, building presentations that it's tough. Like for me, I love wheeling and dealing and doing transactions. And that need for mine wasn't really met in investment banking. Was your need for competition was it met in the lower rings of McKinsey and Bain? And I mean, now you probably have much more responsibility, but, but talk about how you've met that, that need. That's a great point. Uh, 
you're, uh, you know, I, I'd say that's one difference between consulting and, and banking. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't like I was uh, had a, you know, an enormous amount of uh, responsibility to call the shots when I was at McKinsey. But you do have a lot more, uh, you know, I can't speak to the other consulting firms, but a lot more responsibility to, to do much deeper thinking and, and what I consider to be much more intellectually challenging work. In, in, at, at McKinsey than, than I certainly would have if I had done investment banking. And, you know, talking to a lot of folks uh, who have done investment banking, their experience is very similar to your, Alex, where uh, you're just a model monkey and, you know, you don't really get the chance uh, for, for a number of years to really become uh, a deal maker, which I think is kind of the exciting part of investment banking, if that's what you want to do. When I moved to, on to bank capital, you know, the the uh, responsibility role really rose a lot. I mean, I, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I assume that the top investment banks have uh, hundreds, if not, you know, over a thousand analysts uh, around the world. And, and uh, you know, that, that obviously creates a certain type of structure and environment for those analysts, whereas even Bank Capital, which is one of the largest private equity firms in the world, what I think there were uh, 25 of us, you know, kind of in that analyst associate pool in North America and maybe 40 or so around the world. Uh, so, you know, uh, more than an order of magnitude smaller. Uh, and so it just means that there's a lot more responsibility uh, that at bank capital than than, than in um, investment banking or consulting for that matter. So that was that was exciting. But you know, again, if you go to one of these bulge bracket uh, private equity firms, it's still kind of a long slog. Nowhere near as as uh, mind numbing. At least that's what I've heard. Since I didn't do investment banking, I can't say for sure, but that's what I've heard. It is for the for a number of years, but it's still a long slog to to get to the top before you really are the a king deal maker, which is one of the things that really excited me about uh, transitioning to the hedge fund space, and, and particularly a firm like Meritage Group, where uh, uh, there's right now at our fund, uh, you know, a, a couple of portfolio managers and you know less than ten analysts, and uh, you know each analyst is responsible for running you know his or her own uh, work. And uh, nobody's telling me what to do on a daily basis. And, you know, I meet with my portfolio manager for, you know, about an hour a week. And other than that, I just uh, have to come up with ideas, think on my own and really make, you know, the stuff happen, which is for me what I find exciting. Uh, and so it, it certainly is. Uh, and hedge funds tend to be a little bit leaner, broadly speaking, than, uh, you know, than the uh, – uh, private equity space. So, uh, you know, if you're really looking early on in your career in finance to have the most amount of responsibility, uh, I'd highly suggest the hedge fund space. But again, every fund is very different. So, uh, you know, you have to be very careful about how you go about that because just because the industry, <clears throat> you know, the hedge fund industry is probably on average provides a little more responsibility at an earlier tenure than the uh, private equity industry doesn't mean that that holds true for every individual firm. Right. So your career has been very well thought out. You went from big consulting firm. As you said, it's easy to go from big to small, from private to public. So now you're in the small public. So there's nowhere to go from here, right? You, this, is, this is where, if you don't like this, 
you're kind of you're kind of pigeonholed now. You've, you you put yourself down into the lower piece of the funnel. It's tough to climb back up it. Yes, that's a good point. I mean, you definitely uh, public equities. You know, the big downside is you know there's not a lot of places that are kind of a natural transition. You know, to uh, something else from there. So you have to know what you want to do. For me, it was very simple because after a lot of thought, deliberation, meetings, soul searching, et cetera, I realized that this is what I want to do. So I don't wake up in the morning and, and go, gosh, what you know, what am I doing now and what can I do about it since I'm doing what I want to be doing, then you know, that's kind of what I want to be doing by definition. But uh, yeah, if, if, uh, if you're thinking that you just want to get into the hedge fund space because you know, it sounds like an alluring space, and but you haven't really thought about kind of the long-term ramifications of that. It's really important to do so because, as I said, there really isn't uh, a lot of other places to go. Uh, and so, I mean, not saying that you can't, but it's just uh, there's not like the, tr- you know, natural transition. You know, say consulting allows you to break into a whole bunch of different industries. Even private equity provides a lot of optionality. But for me personally, absolutely nothing that uh, I'm worried about because I'm doing what I want to be doing, which I think is uh, what everyone should ultimately strive to do, uh, which is to do what they want to do. Talk to us about what it is exactly in this current job that gives you so much pleasure. How are you so fulfilled with this? It's the competition. It's the you're challenged. What are, you know? What are the hard and soft things? Yes, I mean to to, to boil my job down into a few words. My job is to find mispriced equities and make money from that mispricing. So uh, that's probably simpler uh, to say than to do. But, you know, it, it's it's a little bit, you know, what I said about tennis. I love going out on the tennis court and uh, I'll go out and play and uh, we'll, I'll walk off the court and either I'm better than my opponent or my opponent is better than I am. And there's no, uh, you know, there's no subjectiveness to that. It just is what it is. Now you could say any given day, you know, things happen or there was a let that uh, went one direction versus the other. But, you know, at the end of the day, whoever wins the most sets and so on wins the match. And that's what I love about my job is at the end of the day, uh, I am going up against a very smart people that are you know, taking positions in, in these companies. And, you know, when I'm investing in any company on the long side, there's always people who are short. And whenever I'm short, obviously, there are a lot of people who are long and both of us aren't going to be right. And uh there's no more gratifying feeling to me than going up against tough competition and winning. That makes sense. And if you have any type of <clears throat> neat story, maybe some some type of cool success, you don't have to share names or whatever, but something you could share, and then so you don't have to unplug the mic again. Answer that question, and then you know end it with some type of advice or some you've given some advice but something else something tangible people can try to latch on to to achieve whether it's in finance or not but to achieve what you have you have this happiness 
you recognize that you need competition, but maybe they haven't recognized what they need. Maybe they have, but how you go get that in life? It's, it's very simple. I mean, I won't go into what specific investments that we've made, but, uh, you know, the, the investment, uh, one of the investments I'm responsible for, we took a very sizable, long position in a company that was very heavily shorted. And, uh, you know, we're still in the position. So uh, until we've exited, you know, there's no, uh, you know, saying that we've, quote, won because every moment that we're invested in the company means that uh, obviously we have money at risk. But the uh, the stock has, has, has done incredibly well uh, over the last uh, 15, 16 months. And, uh, gosh, all those people have been writing up about this stock and saying that uh, that there were these things wrong with the company and they weren't going to be able to succeed and they, they weren't going to be able to hit their numbers. And, you know, I, to me, it's just really gratifying what the company does and all these people are proven wrong and I'm proven right by sticking with these guys. So, you know, again, it's not for everyone because, you know, if you love the idea of a, uh, you know, total symbiotic relationship where everyone wins, then uh, this, especially the hedge fund industry, is probably not the, the 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 space for you because at the end of the day, if you're making a bet, there's always somebody on the other side in the public markets. But it's uh, it's just really awesome, uh, and it's not that uh, I'm right every time, but uh, hopefully I'm right a, a few more times. I'm not, and when I'm right, I have more money at at risk than. Uh, than the times that I'm not right, but uh, you know, winning is uh, winning is awesome. So, and, and I never forget that uh, because the moment uh, I I get kind of complacent and, and kind of feel that this is just bound to happen is when I'm sure I'll stop winning and uh, and the returns will show for themselves. As far as the uh, the the broader question, I don't know if I'm really in a position to tell people how to find happiness. I think ultimately that's the uh, most important thing in life. And uh, gosh, if I had to provide one insight, at least to how I found my happiness to share with others is really know yourself. And uh, that sounds so corny and uh, it sounds so simple, but uh, but it's not. And uh, and I spend tens of hours every week. Uh, in what I call, you know, my personal journey of self-reflection, where I constantly strive to figure out what I'm doing, where I'm going, and what ultimately makes me happy. And uh, I'm in a good spot, and and I, I you know, as I say, I wake up every morning career-wise, and and uh, just really feel amazing uh, how things have turned out. But uh, that doesn't mean that I stop this quest. And frankly, uh, if 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 people could just do that one thing and it's hard because sometimes people have jobs or they work so many hours or they don't have those hours to, to do that self-reflection piece. But my only thought is if you don't have the time to do that self-reflection, then how can you be sure you're doing the right thing? And so then if you're not sure you're doing the right thing, then why should you be spending all that time 
doing whatever it is that you're doing. So obviously I'm biased in this uh, example because I, I have uh, sp- spent a whole lot of time thinking about this stuff and I do. But uh, if I had one Great. kind of nugget to share, that'd probably be it. Okay, well, Greg, that was awesome advice. This was an awesome conversation. Thanks so much for doing it. I'm Alex Grodnick, and you've been listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. We've got much more coming, so please stay with us.